may contain bad language and offensive themes. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to episode 2112 of the Callum Sutton Show. Hope you're all doing well. And starting off things today in in spy pitch news, a pigeon accused of being a Chinese spy has been cleared by police and released back into the wild. The bird was detained by officers after it was captured in May last year near a port in Mumbai, news agency Press Trust of India reported. It was found with two rings tied to its legs, featuring words that appeared to be Chinese. Detectives suspected the pigeon was involved in espionage and took it in before later sending it to Mumbai's Bai Sakabai Dinshaw Petite Hospital for animals. However, eight months in captivity in emerged that the creature was an open water racing bird from Taiwan, which had escaped and flown to India. Police then approved the bird's transfer to the Bombay Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, where doctors set free the falsely accused avian on Tuesday. Pigeons have been used in spying and combat throughout history, including by UK forces in the First World War and Second World War to deliver messages. A pigeon called Gustav brought the first news of D-Day back to the UK after a correspondent wrote a report and attached it to the bird while landing on Sword Beach in Normandy on June 6th, 1944. It's crazy, isn't it? Because ultimately it, it can be a very real thing. And especially in this kind of like very paranoid world that we now live in, because constantly it's like, well, literally anything could have some kind of like bug attached to it. Technology is small enough now that pigeons, you know, besides being just like the basic espionage type, they can now have like, you know, tiny little video cameras on them. They could be filming you at any moment. That pigeon outside right now. Look outside right now. You see that one right there? That's been looking at you for the last five minutes. And I know what you guys get up to before this show starts. It's it's gross. Like that pigeon also has a couple of tissues attached to it just for you. Just just letting you know. So, you know, it's not too surprising that people are kind of like up in ours about there's 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 a pigeon over here and it's got a Chinese tag on it, especially with all the stuff we've been hearing recently. And for the last, what, six, eight years, with Huawei specifically kind of managing to spy on literally everyone for no good reason. Because a lot of people are very boring, but, you know, they'll do it nonetheless. They know all of your schedule. They know when you're having a white person Indian night uh, with, with butter chicken from the grocery store. They know about it. They know the exact time that you go to sleep. You know, after about half an hour of crying. So, you know, I and, and also there's kind of like big things in the moment. Because I think drones have kind of like died off entirely. Like Nobody's really concerned about drones anymore. Um, you don't really hear much talk about it. Although three, four years ago, there was a lot of talk about um, drones being potential espionage devices. And there was a lot of people who were very concerned about what they could potentially do, what they could be seeing. Although, ironically, it was mostly the generation that had lived through the RF hype of, you know, RC helicopters and stuff like that, who had seen it every single day, were completely used to sort of stuff like that, maybe in the early 2000s, but now are very concerned about drones kind of flying over their house. But it's very difficult to kind of, like substantiate just like when paranoia is not justified and when it is because in most cases it is literally just you know 
budget content creators getting photos and videos for this thing, that thing. It's mostly, you know, not bad intentions. And I don't think there's really been a documented case of it being used of bad intentions either, because for the most part, a 300 £400 drone doesn't really have the spec needed to do any kind of spying. They, they can't zoom in because they're fixed lenses. They can't really get close to anything. They don't really have audio, because why would they? So, for the most part, as a spy device, they're useless. You get way more information about someone just looking up their name on the internet. And so it's it's a bit of a strange one, because I'm one of the people who used to fly a drone around. I had my little Mini 2, my DJI Mini 2. And I was doing it purely for artistic purposes. Because that's all you can really use it for. And that's all you would want to really use it for. Most people who are getting into drone piloting are either into the piloting or into the potential for cinematic use. And so I've had people post on Facebook in in groups for like villages, you know, these little village pages where the entire community can kind of like complain about dog shitting on the ground and stuff like that. I've had people saying like, whose drone is that up there? People being like, oh, he's looking at me naked and all of that sort of stuff. It's like, well, no, really not. Because fucking hell, I would never want to see that. Jesus Christ. It's usually it's usually the uh, <laughs> the unsuspecting ones. Although I've had instances where people have posted saying, oh, he's looking at me naked, etc., etc. And just the entire village kind of like piling in and being like, nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see that. Trust me. And so we, we kind of, yeah, we're getting into a bit of a strange one because we've got this, like, intense espionage potential. You don't see much of it being used for just regular public policing. Where's that? Where is all of this? Why aren't there, you know, mini cameras on, on street junctions where people are regularly getting assaulted? Why is it still so difficult to get very basic information after a crime when there's about a million different tools at the disposal of police incredibly cheap as well and and yet when a crime happens we just see like black and white really poor quality camera footage from a camera nine miles away Maybe it's maybe it's because I keep spending money on replacing the Euless camera in Uxbridge. I don't know. I just feel like that might be a slight. That might be a slight, a slight um, possibility. If anybody's seen that, there is just this guy. It could be a group for all we know, who targets a very specific Euless camera. It's on an intersection in Uxbridge, and he he has been literally like angle grinding it down covering it up with stuff, like spray-painting the lens, trying his best to make sure that ULES in that area doesn't go ahead. Because I think a lot of people are up in arms about the fact that ULES is, ultimately, it's just kind of picking on poorer people who maybe can't afford a brand new car. 
by making them spend crap tons to travel in certain areas. Because the fines are ridiculous. We all know that the fines in London are just ridiculous. And it doesn't mitigate anything. Like The people being targeted aren't doing anything deliberately. They're usually the ones who are accidentally caught out and the ones who struggle the most. And so when you think about it, it's kind of sickening. But hey-ho, that's the society that we live in, right? It's a society, something like that. I can speak English, I swear. Right, we're on a pot pie today. Here's Tate McRae. Tate McRae on the Callum Sutton Show. That is greedy. Hope you're doing well. Um, We're looking at the Essentials of Classic Italian Cooking book by Marcella Hazan. Um, Specifically at what is dubbed the best tomato sauce, and it is literally three ingredients. It is tin tomatoes. It doesn't say if they're San Marzano's or not. Half an onion, not diced, and a knob of butter. Now, this is a 92 recipe, so, you know, this isn't new. This isn't new, like, fabulous diet kind of material. We wrote this because we wanted to try and inspire people to buy more lentils or something. When, where did lentils come from? Seriously. In, in our diet, where did they come from? I swear they just kind of spawned out of nowhere. Very important in other diets, but we kind of just took them and made them our own at some point. The same with, um, what's it called, quinoa. We just took it and made it our own and we're like, well, you can put this in a shepherd's pie. And it's like, no, you can't. <laughs> you really can't. Leave it to the culture that knows how to use it if you don't have any good ideas. Um, yeah, lentil shepherd's pie was probably the worst thing that I've ever ate. But I'll digress for the moment. Um, this is a very simple recipe, 45 minutes, just simmered. And supposedly it's the best thing that's kind of ever come out in any cookbook ever. Uh, the Dalai Lama came out and said that he will never eat anything else. That was a complete lie. The Dalai Lama had nothing to do with this. However, I tried it myself and it's nice. It's, it's kind of, it, it feels like a weirdly appropriated recipe, like butter chicken. What is butter chicken? It, it's one of those things where it's like it's been simplified to an insane level. And I actually think butter chicken kind of has more of a justification because although it is literally just what it sounds like, it at least has protein in it, it has like a bit of substance. This literally doesn't. It's got nothing to it. I couldn't eat this simply because there's nothing really there to eat. A sauce is not a recipe all by itself. You need to have a bit of meat or something. Throw in some veggies. Oh, then that might just be me. Maybe I'm, this is why I'm kind of starting to plump up a little bit. I've been working on it a little bit to a certain extent. Resistance bands are back out because um, I'm kind of like trying to get rid of the pot belly effect. I feel like it's not helping me on the dating scene. But it's difficult, especially when you live in a small flat as well, without much room to manoeuvre around. Because <laughs> you have to kind of get creative with these things. And just just how creative can you get with, you know, lifting something or pushing something? Just how creative? Not very. And so you kind of just stick to the, to the regular stuff, like push-ups and sit-ups and such. But it's something that I kind of like constantly go off track with. Because I'll get into it very seriously for a tiny amount of time and then almost immediately regress to, 
I don't want to do that because my heart burns flaring up the moment I do it. Maybe I'm old. Maybe that's what's happening. Maybe I'm actually getting old because I get heartburn whenever I try to do any form of physical exercise. Brain exercise is my main thing. I, I can do intelligence. I just apparently can't do brawn. I can't do lots of physical exercise all at once. I used to be able to do it. You know, back in my uh, wild and windy days, I was able to kind of like just run around continuously. But nowadays, it's not working out. Although I did get the Oculus out earlier. Which is one thing that it's kind of like, I would like to use it way more. But unfortunately, Meta, to this day, still hasn't put any fucking effort into actually bringing something else out onto it. Like, how long does it take for this supposed GTA? I, did, did they lose contact with Rockstar Games? Because Rockstar's not saying anything about it. They didn't really say anything about it in the first place. It was Meta who made the decision and brought out the news. And then went completely quiet on it and refused to elaborate. And so I feel like it was a ploy just to get people to buy the device. They just straight up lied and were like, yeah, it'll come out, I guess. We'll see. And so everyone was like, yeah, cool, I'll buy the device and ready for it to come out. And and realistically, they may not have been doing anything at all. Maybe, maybe Rockstar didn't even know about it. <laughs> but it's weird because it's like, the source code already exists. Like, Meta's quest is based on Android. They've already remastered San Andreas for Android. So it's already half there. Let me take a look online. See where we're at. San Andreas. Because, for the most part, the quest only has a couple of stable games. Those being things like Poker VR, <laughs> of course, but Beat Saber and Resident Evil, but nothing else, really. I've just realised I can't actually search this because the internet's gone down, which is always a good start. Do I have a phone around here? I do. I do. I can continue trying to research this. Um, yeah, that, that would be a brilliant idea. I think I unplugged the router. <laughs> That's what I've done. I've been doing a bit of like moving stuff around today, and I've unplugged the router, and I've completely forgotten to plug it back in. So MetaQuest San Andreas is what we were looking for. And the latest news is, and you've got to consider that this this was announced Quest 2 days, like we're on the Quest 3 now. Probably coming up to the Quest 4. And there's no news <laughs> at all. They have said potentially a release in 2024. Which, let's be honest, means nothing at all. Potentially a release just means there probably won't be a release. God damn it. it it's too late at this point. It's too late. <laughs> My device is going to be, you know, a melted plastic mess before San Andreas finally fucking releases. 
This is the Callum Sutton Show from Opposition Studio. Nombi and Freak Like Me right here on the Callum Sutton Show. Hey, there's another Twitter alternative because we really need another one of those. However, I have checked it out. Um, it is called Blue Sky, not to be confused with uh, ELO's Mr. Blue Sky. It's been more than a year since Elon Musk purchased Twitter, which is now X, leading people to set up shop on alternative platforms, Mastodon, Post, Pebble, which ironically has already closed, and Spill. And there's a lot of potential replacements, but few aside from Meta's threads has achieved the speed of growth that Blue Sky has reached. Up until recently, the platform was invite only. However, today it made its public debut, and I jumped on it this morning to take it out for a spin. Um, so it was what, like 10 a.m., but I kind of got this news article come up on my feed being like, it's out of public, it's out of beta, it's it's out of private beta. And I'm like, I didn't even know that it was. Because <laughs> there's a million, there's like a million different Twitter alternatives, especially considering like you know, how many people Elon just pissed off. Everyone was like, right, we're going to go off and create, you know, this Twitter alternative, that Twitter alternative. It's like the same with, um, I guess, WhatsApp, when that whole controversy happened, where it was like, oh, the government can actually spy on your text, all of this sort of stuff, and then out come Telegram, Signal, fucking, I don't know, Gramophone, all of this lot. Like a million different WhatsApp-style messaging apps, which obviously nobody has, because it's like, why? We don't need a million things. Um, but in this case, I decided to try it just because Twitter itself, for me, was like dead dead on arrival, more or less. I think it was good for like a couple of years, but it very quickly became a place for just straight up... <sighs> how, how do I put it? I don't know how to put it. It, it was a whole lot of just this crap, that crap, this crap, that crap. Nothing... Nothing ever came out on Twitter that informed or educated or entertained. It was just like pure, unadulterated bullshit and political shit and religious shit. And it was just like full on everyone attacking each other from every single angle, yet no contacts, no context at any time. And so I gave up on Twitter like really early days because I was just like really tired of logging into an app that only served to piss people off. And so now that there's this new alternative, Blue Sky, I've kind of been like, well, I'll get on early and see if potentially I can not necessarily change the way that Blue Sky kind of evolves but see if there are influences that I can at least get on board with before it potentially evolves into a whole lot of bullshit again. Because if I manage to get into the communities early that I might actually be interested in, I might be able to kind of fill my feed with stuff that isn't in the mainstream that will be a bunch of crap. And so itself it, it's you know decentralized as well which is also a massive benefit it's open source you can actually see the code that it runs on you can check it through yourself make sure that you're actually happy with what they're doing when a company actually shows you what they're doing out loud that is a good sign and being decentralized means that more or less anybody can really more or less anyone can run it it can be ran from you know 
this guy's house in the middle of nowhere to a really large server farm out here and that continually developing network of different nodes that the entire thing runs on means that the integrity is actually increased because the more places it's running that are completely unrelated to each other, the less chances there are of somebody having singular control over the entire thing. So that, you know, works out in everyone's benefit. And so it's got its own kind of open source framework built in-house called the AT Protocol. And there's a lot of transparency, a lot of documentation as to how that works, which also means that it is likely to have lots of features developed for it early doors and that will allow more integrations and just overall more cool shit you know open source alternative apps that allow you onto the platform potentially different kind of marketing tools for businesses once again probably open source and that ultimately means that you're not locked into you know a singular app to use the platform with because one of the things that may irk a lot of people is when, for example, WhatsApp does an update to their software, it might kick a bunch of generations of devices offline because they'll no longer be supported. And there's no kind of... There's there's, there's no alternative. There's no clients that they can use because obviously WhatsApp is a closed-source platform. Blue Sky, on the other hand, when certain devices get depreciated by a new app update, people will just go and find an alternative client for it, a client that will still be able to access Blue Sky itself, and so ultimately their devices won't become defunct. They'll still be able to use them in some capacity. So I've signed up. If you want to join me on the platform, I'm at Callum Sutton. Isn't that just a revolutionary username? And so far, I've kind of like, you know, made a few posts and all of this sort of stuff. There are certain things I would like to see come out of it. There's no editing. I like editing because I make grammatical errors from time to time. I don't really like reposting stuff, but I can kind of understand if they don't want to add editing onto the platform because ultimately when you've got this cluster of constant messages going back and forth between people, I I feel like editing may be a malicious uh, tool for certain people. It is very much like Twitter, as far as I remember Twitter being. In fact, it looks almost identical. The design is good, though. It is very simplistic, very much points you to the direction that you want to go in almost immediately. You can't really get confused using the platform. However, there is so far kind of a lack of content as such. There's a lack of niche communities, which really is what I kind of want out of a platform like, you know, Twitter back in the day, I was able to look at broadcast engineering forums at this forum, at that forum, very niche groups. But I guess, you know, it's going to take some time for all of that sort of stuff to amass on the platform. But I will kind of critique it saying that so far even trying to find things that are related is kind of difficult. It it would appear that there's no such thing as hashtags on Blue Sky. Now, they use lists and feeds instead, which is is a nice change. Like, you don't see constant hashtags everywhere. And 
to a certain extent, that's a good thing because hashtags can very quickly become depreciated. Maybe some of them just don't have any content attached to them. And some of them can be a bit difficult to work around because you may have hashtags that, for example, are promoted and are promoted in like a capitalized form. And somebody else may use it in a non-capitalized form. And that would cause it to become more difficult to use, to actually find stuff related to it, because filters may accidentally kick some results out of search. However, these new lists features and feeds features, I haven't quite made sense of them yet, because some of them are automation tools. It's weird. Some of these lists, you can kind of like add them, and it will show you stuff based on a criteria. So there's like a likes feed that you can add into your Blue Sky account, which shows you things that you've liked. And then there's other feeds that show you like a generalization. So, you know, whatever whatever it has to be, like cat pics, birds, book sky. I'm literally just reading stuff out from the app directly. But it's not entirely obvious how you would, A, contribute to these feeds. Because some of them just don't have a way of contributing to them. And some of them, there's there's lots of like active users, but you you can't see immediately how how they've managed to contribute. Like Twitter, it was pretty obvious from the very start. It, was, it wasn't difficult to use because you saw a hashtag at the end of something, and you were like, right, well, I guess if I want to contribute to that specific subject, I just introduce the hashtag into my tweet for that specific subject. Blue sky, that doesn't seem to be a thing. So I'm going to continue using it for a couple of days, see what exactly, how exactly it works. But from an overall out-of-the-box usability, um, not particularly strong so far. But hey, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Eh? This is the Callum Sutton Show. <laughs> oh, this is great, Doctor! The greatest invention! <laughs> Alrighty, in today's greatest invention, man builds Eiffel Tower model with 700,000 matchsticks over eight years, only to have a world record rejected. Ah, oh, for fuck's sakes. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of disappointing, isn't it? A Frenchman who built a model of the Eiffel Tower using over 700,000 matchsticks says that he has had his efforts rejected by Guinness World Records. Richard Plaud, 47, said he spent eight years and 4,200 hours assembling 706,900 matches to build the world's tallest structure made of matches measured at 1.1, sorry, 7.19 metres. My mouth is on fire right now. I'm slow cooking some chilli. And what I've basically done is gone ahead and dumped accidentally an entire... um, glass jar of hot chilli powder into it. And it's made it kind of spicy. Either way, it would have been enough to beat the record that's been held by Lebanese model maker Tufik Dea since 2009, who used 6 million matches to create an Eiffel Tower replica measuring at 6.53 metres. So what are we? About 0.60 metres higher 
0.70 metres higher. But after completing his creation on the 27th of December, Mr. Plaud said he submitted an application to Guinness World Records only for it to be rejected without even being looked at. In a scathing social media post, Mr. Plaud said the decision was a great disappointment and relayed the record company's reasons for rejecting his work. He said it was because the structure must be built from matches that are available for public purchase and don't have flammable red tips, and they must not be cut, disassembled, or deformed to the point where they are no longer recognised as matches. Mr. Plaud told French media outlet TFI he started off the tower with matches brought commercially, but became tired of having to cut off their red tips one by one so ended up contacting the main French manufacturer to have the wooden rods delivered in 15-kilogram boxes. He says he did not know this would disqualify him from breaking the record. As for the other regulation, Mr. Plaud said on Facebook, tell me that the 706,900 sticks glued together one by one are not matches, and how are they too cut to be recognisable? The model maker still got some joy from his creation, having presented it to a crowd of over 4,000 people in a hall in Sir John in February. Um, yeah, what was that? That was... Um, he said the structure would must be, must be built from matches that are available to the public for purchase and don't have flammable red tips. See, that's... Um, I mean, understandable. You wouldn't want the entire thing setting fire. However, once you do cut the tips off, doesn't it become unrecognisable as a matchstick? Then it's just a stick. I might be reading into that too much. But it's one of those things, like, Guinness World Records are very difficult to complete. I would know, having been a world record holder three times in a row now, and having the first and second record verified by record setter instead. Because Guinness's rules are ridiculous half the time. Very difficult to abide by. And they also charge for a lot of stuff to be able to get your name in the book. Because you need to have adjudicators. And as much as we like to think that they can be independent people who you just happen to contract out of nowhere... Guinness can be very fucking shitty about it because you'll get people in who you don't know and you've proven that you don't know them and Guinness will be like, oh yeah, but his haircut's too long so he, he's he's likely to cheat. It's like, what does that mean? And so you end up having to go for Guinness World Record adjudicators, official ones and they cost a whole bunch. And then there's multiple rules that you have to abide by. Um, usually very specific to the record you're setting. So for us, it was the world record for longest radio marathon. And so the basic rules, as far as I remember, it was a long time ago now, where you could accrue five minutes per hour for going to the toilet, potentially napping if you need to. Um, so after four hours, you would have 20 minutes power nap saved up, essentially. However, you don't, realistically, because once again, going to the bathroom or going outside, getting something to eat, all of that stuff bites into the five minutes. So ultimately, after eight hours, maybe then you have 20 minutes, potentially. And it was, you can't, you can't just play music back to back. There is a maximum of two songs per 
play. So between that, you need to have like at least like a couple minutes of talking, and then you can play like two records in a row. But once again, realistically, you don't do that um, because it kind of kind of defeats the purpose of the entire record if you're just sitting there playing music back to back on automation. And so when you're planning these things, you try to go for like, you know, DJ sets and stuff like that. In my case, it was just, you know, it's the talk show. And in that year, in in the three years that we did it, it was the original Callum Sutton show, the full talk format. So two hours nonstop talking, which, you know, becomes damaging after a little bit. Once you're on like day three. And so, yeah. And you need to have the entire thing recorded, obviously, on video. They need to be able to see the entire room that you're in. They need to be able to verify that you are actually sitting there uh, talking. You need to have a clock in the background, all of this sort of stuff. So it's very difficult. Very, very difficult. Um, and we nearly lost our record to some guys in America who did... I forget what it was now. Oh, yeah, I can't search on that because there's no internet there. <laughs> Plug the router back in, Callum. Um, where's my phone gone again? I've done this twice now. There it is. I need to look at what happened with the other two. Because there was two other people who tried to beat our record by, I think it was very minuscule. This is going to be when I find it very difficult to find the... uh, There it is. So we're still the record holders on Record Setter, officially. Somebody tried to beat us called Crazy Jaybird. And and it looks like his entire record was wiped from the record. From the record, ironically. Um, Yeah, one long continuous internet radio show. Apparently 100 hours. However, it's still under review because I think they failed to actually record themselves doing the show, like video-wise. And so naturally, the entire record was written off. And so we still hold it. And at this point, it's kind of just waiting for them to try and do it again so that we can then go ahead and do it again because there's no point in us going and doing the record again if nobody's actually beat it. Yeah. They did two hours video, which obviously isn't enough to verify the record. And I think they'd had like 20 minutes accrued for every hour in their their attempt. Which is like, if you're accruing 20 minutes per hour, then... That's just, that's a regular person's work at a radio station. (laughs) Like, four hours in, you can sleep for over an hour and a half. Clearly, that's not going to win the record. And so I'm kind of like, I I want to be able to um, get them to do it again. Because at this point, it's kind of like, really? I'm just going to sit around here and wait. For the record to be beaten again. Do it again. Try it again. We'll happily see you on the other side. 
but clearly nobody since then has kind of been crazy enough to do it because i remember like the last couple of hours i was like drained like pure white staring in the mirror at myself because i'd completely lost all lucidity that amount of hours on air with no sleep and and no proper like food or anything because you you can't can't go eating too much on a record like that because it will eventually weigh down on you massively all of those hours and you eventually become literally crazy but it'd be interesting to do it again mainly just just for the opportunity to write a show that long because he's one of the people that kind of inspired me to start the show in the first place i used to listen to howard stern on sirius xm don't do any more because it's just too expensive <laughs> um but it was um it was him that prompted the four hour format that we used to have because his shows are ridiculously long and i was like fine we'll do it as well just talk for over four hours but lee sent me this video and it was a leaked video of um this whole talk that he gave his team one hour long called the 2013 revolution summit and it was at a time that his show was kind of starting to flag a little bit because there was you know less people listening to him naturally being on satellite radio it's kind of a difficult place to be there's you know a, a requirement for people to actually care about what is on that specific service because you're paying for it and you're going to the extent of having specialized equipment just to listen to it you need to buy a car that has Sirius XM pre-installed or get a Sirius XM radio tuner and then pay for the subscription as well and so naturally you know not many people at the time well, listening to Howard Stern as compared to his days on WNBC when it was just, you know, public radio. And so he did this kind of like half hour, uh, what was it, one hour talk with his team talking about how they're going to get back into the big leagues, as it were. Not that he wasn't in the big leagues because he's always been big. He's always been someone that people talk about on other talk shows because it's a very unique format um, and it's kind of like the perfect place for somebody to get PR or to get a record sold or to sell their book. But I was kind of destroyed because watching it and seeing him basically scream at his team and show that he really is just somebody who wants to be in the mainstream because he always pretended not to be, but he really just wants to be kind of like this mainstream radio host and have everything just be sensationalized was kind of like really that's that's been him the entire time we all kind of lapped up his words for the past god knows how many years it's been when he's saying that he only wants to uh focus on the really big personalities he's no longer interested apparently in focusing on other things and really just pushing like subjects to be glorified on his show and so it was kind of like, if you have time to watch it, go ahead, Howard Stern 2013 Revolution Summit. If you're interested in that sort of stuff, it, it's mostly, you know, media um, theory as such. But it is definitely interesting for those who are in the media to see what is really behind the microphone. And to that extent, I hope to keep this show as pure as humanly possible. Uh, which is why next week we will be talking to Bella Porch about her new single. No, we won't. 
um, we'll keep this show as pure as possible and uh, just continue to do what we do, which is talk shit and play music. And so until I see you in the next episode, thank you so much for listening. I've been Callum Sutton, and uh, I'll see you on the next one. Take care.